When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Coffee Break Italian Season 3, Episode 20. Buongiorno a tutti e benvenuti a Coffee Break Italian. Io sono Mark. Ciao a tutti e io sono Francesca. Come stai Francesca? Molto bene, grazie Mark. E tu? Devo dire che oggi sono molto emozionato per quello che facciamo oggi. Ah, per l'argomento. Per l'argomento, esatto. Sì, hai ragione. We are doing something a little bit exciting in this episode and that is dealing with something that's completely new, completely new in Coffee Break Italian and quite possibly completely new for many of our learners because it's something a little bit different. Sì, hai ragione, Mark. Infatti oggi introduciamo il passato remoto. Okay, the passato remoto. We could call it a past historic in English or a remote past or something like that. But it's a special tense that's used for special purposes. And we're going to find out all about that today. Okay. Allora, Mark, come sempre, bando alle ciance. Diamo inizio alle danze. Okay, Francesca, tell us a little about the passato remoto. And when I say a little, give us the headlines, okay? Okay. Uh, So, first of all, I would like to reassure our listeners and tell them not to worry too much because this is something new and maybe they've seen it before and they might think it's a little bit too advanced. Uh, But what I would like to say as a start is that at this stage, I guess it's enough to recognize it, to, to know how it works and to be able to spot it if we see it, for example, when we are reading a book. But we are not expected to use it in, a, in an active way if we don't feel like it. Exactly. So you've mentioned if we see it in a book, um, there would be some situations where we would hear this as well in certain parts of Italy, perhaps. See, that's a very good point, Mark, because... Uh, 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 it's it's very interesting. For example, where I come from, the north of Italy, we don't uh, actively use the passato remoto. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we speak Italian in the past, uh, we only use the passato prossimo, obviously the imperfetto, if we are describing feelings, uh, uh, age, uh, and so on. But the key past tense is uh, passato prossimo. 
and you would also throw in the odd trapassato prossimo. Sì, ovviamente, <laughs> ovviamente. Whereas in the south of Italy, they use uh, passato remoto quite a lot, and at times even when uh, passato prossimo could be used uh, instead. This is similar in a way to what happens with the Spanish past tense. Exactly. Again. We know that not everyone is, is learning si, Spanish si. or speaks Spanish, but the preterite equivalent exactly, in, in Spanish. Si. So we could say that probably only in Tuscany, like the cradle of the Italian <laughs> language, only there probably the passato prossimo, the passato remoto, sorry, I always get confused. The passato remoto is used and is used quite correctly, I would say. Okay, so that's a little about how it's used. But let's think a little about when it's used and particularly about those uh, situations where, yes, the passato remoto is the right tense to use in what we could say maybe is formal Italian or, or traditional Italian. Okay, well, first of all, I would say that you can find the passato remoto uh, more often in a written Italian. So if you like Italian literature or if you read uh, biographies, if you like history, you're quite likely to find uh, verbs in the passato remoto. Not necessarily, but it's quite typical of uh, the written language. So there we have another example of why recognising it is so important and maybe not necessarily being able to produce it ourselves unless you want to maybe fancy yourself as writing an Italian novel someday. Sì, perché no? Esatto. So if this might give our listeners a little bit of um, reassurance, if I say that I have studied Italian at university for one year, I did one year of Italian, but okay. I've used Italian a lot. But if you asked me to conjugate a verb in the passato remoto, even an, a, a regular verb in the passato remoto, I would probably be able to guess most of it, okay. but I would not be 100% sure of knowing it. However, I've read many, many books and therefore I have a passive understanding of it. Si, si, si. And I've got by. <laughs> I think that's also the case for a lot of Italians. And uh, as I said, especially in the north of Italy, because we don't, uh, and I include myself, because I also don't use it uh, actively unless uh, uh, I'm talking about uh, history or I'm with friends from the south of Italy, then I'm kind of tempted to, uh, to play with it, but it doesn't come natural to yeah. me okay that's, that's very very interesting and i love these these linguistic kind of outliers that that, <laughs> that we we that, that are used in certain situations or by certain groups of people and so on i think it is time to talk a little about exactly the use of it in terms of what kind of events are we talking about when we, we are talking about the passato remoto? Okay, well, technically it has the same logic of the passato prossimo. So a past event which started and which is concluded, finished. Uh, the difference between passato remoto and passato prossimo is the idea of placing passato remoto in a more distant uh, past. That's why uh, it's very much used when talking about history or biographies, for example. The, the, the clue is in the name. <laughs> the, si, the si, remote, remoto. <laughs> esatto. There is also the, um, uh, the idea of the event not having uh, any connection with the present uh, anymore. Okay, so uh, shall we look at how verbs work 
in the, the Passato de Moto. Sí, sí, sí. Let's take then a regular are verb, something that we're very familiar with, but let's conjugate it now in the Passato de Moto. Sí. So, parlare. Parlare, okay. To speak. I spoke. Parlai. Oh, wow. <laughs> you spoke. Parlasti. He or she spoke. Parlo, with an accent. Parlo. So we don't have to confuse it with parlo. Mm-hmm. I speak. Parlo. So there's a different stress there. Parlo. In the present tense, I speak. Parlo. With a real strong accent on that last O uh, in the passato remoto. Okay. Parlammo. So we spoke. What about you, plural, spoke? Parlaste. Now go back to the two form. Parlasti. So very similar there. Parlasti, tu parlasti, and voi parlaste. And then they spoke. And watch uh, the accent, the emphasis. Parlarono. Parlarono. Okay. So again, I am recognizing these forms <laughs> because I've definitely read them. They remind me very much of Spanish. They si. remind me very much of the past historic in French. Uh-huh. Um, virtually, well, very similar in some cases. Um, but yeah, I would probably have struggled to go through that myself. Sì, sì, questo deve rassicurare i nostri ascoltatori. Speriamo di sì. Sì, sicuramente. So let's just go through it one more time, the whole conjugation. Parlai, parlasti, parlò. Parlammo, Parlaste, parlarono. Good. Let's take an ere verb, uh, credere. Okay, and uh, ere verbs for the first and the third person singular and the third person plural have two options. So you can choose between two endings. Okay, is there any link to the are forms? Can we see similarities? Yes, yes, that's good news. The endings are very much similar. We're just switching from the A sound to the E sound. Okay, so let's take credere and go through the forms. So I believed. We can neither say credei, but there is also the option of saying credetti. Wow, okay. Credetti or credei. You believed. Credesti. That one's there's no option there. It's just credesti. Yes. Okay. He or she believed. Again, we have two options. Crede, with an accent. Crede. Or credette. Right. So the difference there is credette as opposed to credetti. Yes. Comparing the first and the third. Io credetti. Lui credette. Sì, esatto. Plurale. We believed. Credemmo. Double M again. Sì. You, plural, believed. Credeste. Okay, very similar to the aste ending. And then they believed. Again, we have these two options. Crederono or credettero. Okay, crederono, credettero. But in each case, watch the, the stress. Esatto. The, the third last syllable. Sì, sì. Okay, so can I try the full conjugation? Sì, vai, Mark. Credei. Credesti, crede, credemmo, credeste, crederono. Sì. Or, eh, credetti, credesti, credette, credemmo, credeste, credettero. Bravissimo, 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 complimenti. <laughs> I think 
I prefer the ones without the T's because they're similar and they're easier uh, because they fit with the, the, the Ari versions. Okay. At times, uh, one sounds better than the other, but uh, I think at this stage, we shouldn't worry too much. <laughs> uh, it's already quite a lot to take in, I think. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. What about Ire verbs? Let's take aprire. Okay, same uh, same logic. Again, we're just switching uh, to the sound E for the third uh, conjugation. Okay, so um, I opened. Uh, so this is interesting because we have a double I, apri. Okay, so we very rarely hear that sound in Italian. I'm thinking maybe of the aunts and uncles, gli zii. Bravissimo, sì. So apri. Apri. Um, you opened. Apristi. Um, he or she opened? Apri, with an accent again. Can I guess the remaining ones to see if this dai, works? Dai, dai, prova. <laughs> so, would it be aprimo? Si. We opened. And then you, plural, opened apriste. Bravissimo. And aprirono? Bravo, aprirono, molto bene. Okay. Bravo, non è facile, bravo. Non è facile, no. Okay, now, that's regular verbs. And I think... What we're going to see immediately as we start to look at some irregulars is that there are forms that we have seen. If you read an Italian newspaper or you read something online or you read a book, you're sì. going to recognize these forms, particularly probably the third person forms, sì, to sì. say what someone was like or to say what someone had and so on. Esatto, sì, fu is quite, uh, I'm sure our listeners have already heard uh, or yeah. seen fu. Fu, and that's from essere. From essere, sì. Could you go through the whole of essere, because it is quite irregular. Yeah, essere and avere as always are irregular. So there is a big change when it comes to uh, essere because we switch to the um, to the stem with the f. F, yeah. Let's then look at I was. Fui. You were. Fosti. He or she was. Fu. We were. Fumo. You all were. Foste. They were. Furono. Furono. <laughs> I think there's a few in there. We've got to the end of it. I, I think, again, don't worry too much about this. This is a lot of information. Sì. But again, it's about recognizing these forms. And the good thing is that even though in some cases the stem is quite tricky or is perhaps quite different, the patterns are pretty regular. Sì, sì. And the context uh, always helps. Uh, so you can probably guess it's a verb essere if you know all the other words uh, in a sentence. Exactly. Now, with avere... Avere again, we change <laughs> to a rather different uh, stem. But not all the time. No. <laughs> so what is avere then? Uh, so we have ebbi. For I had. Ebbi, that's E-B-B-I. But then we are back to the regular, in a way, avesti. So you had avesti, then he or she had. Ebbe. Okay, ebbe. And then we had. Avemmo. You, plural, had. Aveste. And they had. Watch the emphasis, ebbero. So we've actually already seen this pattern where there are sometimes slight sì. differences or, or, or slight things to watch out for with the first person singular, the I form, the third person singular, the he, she, it form, and the third person plural, sì. the they form, just as we've seen here, ebbi, ebbe, and ebbero, and we previously saw it with the etti, ette, ettero, endings of credere. Sì, esatto. And is that something that 
we'll we'll see again. It's a pattern that we can notice. So see, see, see. What do you want to do? Should we go through more verbs, or uh, maybe we can provide some um, some other uh, irregular okay. verbs? Okay. Uh, I should say that most of the uh, of the irregular verbs are in the ere. Mm-hmm. Uh, conjugation and where we can notice again this irregularity of the first uh, third uh, person singular and uh, the third uh, plural so maybe we can just uh, uh, look at a few to okay. to see what yeah. happens probably one of the other main verbs that we always look at is fare fare sì sì so the passato remoto of fare is feci facesti fece Facemmo, faceste, fecero. Right, so there we're seeing one, three and six again if you look at those sì. parts. So feci, then it returns to fa, facesti, fece, uh, the third person again with the e sound. And then back to a for the first person plural and second person plural, facemmo, faceste, and then third person plural, fecero. Esatto, sì. And maybe we can see a couple of ere verbs. Mm-hmm. One that I often uh, mention in class when I talk to my students, when I explain the passato remoto, is the verb uh, chiedere, to, to ask. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you in a second why. <laughs> okay, right. So I asked. Chiesi. Ah, okay. <laughs> right. You asked. Chiedesti. Uh, he or she asked. Chiese. I think I see where you're going with this. Okay. Uh, we asked. Chiedemmo. Chiedemmo. You asked. Chiedeste. And then they asked. Chiesero. Right. Again, we're seeing that one, three and six pattern with different sounds, in this case an S instead of the D. But looking at that third person singular form, chiese, uh-huh. That's the word for churches. Sì, bravissimo. And I often use this example when I uh, discuss the passato remoto with my students to show them uh, that at least it's important that they recognize chiese as a, uh, as a verb, not just as the plural of chiesa, mm-hmm. church. So imagine you're reading a novel and at some point you 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 read le chiese that could be the churches, the churches uh-huh. but... But it could also be to her, le chiese, he or she asked. Bravissimo, bravissimo. Right. So, although maybe when we speak Italian, we cannot think on the spot and say, oh, he asked her, le yeah. chiese, that's okay. We can say, le ha chiesto, fair enough. Uh-huh. But if we read something, we have to be able to recognize it. Otherwise, we are completely lost. We cannot make sense of what we are reading. And if we were asking, um, or if we were, were translating um, he asked her where the churches were. Le chiese, dove erano le chiese. <laughs> wow. Okay, Francesca, I think time is marching on in this episode and I don't want to uh, miss out on our conversation, which is going to be very interesting, a conversation with some passato remoto tenses in there. Sì, and a special nonno. <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> but I do think it would be worth maybe just mentioning half a dozen very common verbs that have these different forms in the passato remoto. Sì, okay. And then obviously we will provide them with the with the notes and the full yes. conjugation. So we've seen chiedere, eh, leggere, mm-hmm. ad esempio, so lessi, ah, I read, lessi. Okay. Then uh, you read? 
Leggesti. Right, so it returns to the same, the same sound the of the infinitive. Stem, right? So lessi, leggesti, presumably it goes on to lesse. Bravissimo. Leggemmo, leggesti, lessero. And it becomes irregular at the end, lessero. Okay, so perhaps what we could do is just look at the io and the tu forms, if these are all si, the same si, si, pattern. And then our listeners can work out as homework, i compiti, yeah. <laughs> the rest of the conjugation. Benissimo. Okay, let's look at mettere then. Okay, misi. So I put misi, and then you put would be? Mettesti. So back to the regular form. Um, what about to write, scrivere? Scrissi. Wow, okay, so <laughs> scrissi, I wrote, but you wrote? Scrivesti. Back to the what we expect there. <laughs> sì. Um, rompere. Oh, rompere è molto carino, perché non lo so, mi piace. <laughs> Ruppi. Ruppi. <laughs> so I broke and then you broke. Rompesti. Okay. Uh, what about t- uh, to know, sapere? Sapere è seppi. Seppi, okay. And then you knew? Sapesti. Okay. Anything else? Uh, well, we mentioned biographies, so nascere mm-hmm. is probably a useful, a useful verb. One, yes, so to be born. Nacqui. Nacqui. Nascesti. Nascesti. Okay, so nacqui, um, I was born. Nascesti, you were born. But then if we're talking about he or she was born, nacque. Nacque, sì. And this is what we find uh, very often in uh, biographies. Uh, X, Y, Z, nacque, mm-hmm. and so on. <laughs> and so it would be morire, would that be regular? Eh, morire is mori. It's morì. an ire verb. Mm-hmm. So morì, moristi, morì. Morì. So, nacque and morì. So, following the same patterns as aprire, then for morire. Sì, sì, it's an ire verb, so it's regular. Okay. Um, Something else that we might see in a biography is where someone lived. Sì, bravissimo. So, vivere, Mm -hmm. vissi. So, that's the I lived, vissi. Vivesti. Vivesti. And then for the the lei or the lui form, it would be visse. Visse. Mm-hmm. Sì, so sì. he Nacque, lived. visse, morì. Ecco, okay. Um, and perhaps if we came so and conquered, um, what about uh, venire? Venire, venni, with a double ah, N, venni. Okay. Venni. Venisti. Venisti, right. So I came, venni, I saw... Well, like the Latin, vidi, perhaps? Sì, bravissimo. <laughs> and then I conquered... Uh, well, this is presumably from vincere. Vincere, sì. So I conquered, uh, well, in Latin that's vici. Sì. Um, is it vici in Italian? No. Okay, so vincere. We're looking at vincere, I'm guessing. It's irregular. Vinqui? No, good guess. But... Uh, vissi? <laughs> it's a good ending. <laughs> Vinci? Vinci, oh. bravissimo, bravissimo. <laughs> so I came, venni. I saw, vidi, sì. and I conquered, e vinsi. Vinsi, bravissimo. Venni, vidi, vinsi. Venni, vidi, vinsi. Wow. Wow. We've almost conquered Quasi, the, sì. <laughs> the remoto. But sì. I think what will definitely help is if we hear all of this in a conversation. Sì, sì, buona idea. Okay. In addition to the podcast version of Coffee Break Italian Season 3, we are also putting together a full course on the Coffee Break Academy, where you'll be able to access bonus materials to help you make even better progress with your Italian. 
That's right. Not only will you be able to enjoy an ad-free audio version of each lesson, we'll also provide a bonus episode in which we'll go through every detail of the dialogues and a third episode for each lesson in which Francesca will be testing us with some translation challenges based on the lesson topic. Of course, there are comprehensive notes and a video version of each lesson too. Visit coffeebreakitalian.com and follow the links for season three there. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Okay, we are learning about the Passato de Moto today. I feel that we've we've climbed a hill, Francesca. Si, si, si. There's been lots to learn, but I think the important thing is now seeing it in context and hearing some further examples of the passato remoto. Can you tell us about our conversation? Sì, come ho detto prima, abbiamo un nonno molto speciale oggi. Mm, no wonder. <laughs> uh, so we have a grandfather talking to his uh, um, granddaughter, Carlotta, and he's telling her a little bit about his past and his family and some tales of the past, let's say. So talking about the past, telling tales about the, the faraway past, the distant past, we're going to hear some natural passato remoto sì, verbs. Sì, sì, fate attenzione. Let's have a listen and then we'll talk about it afterwards. Nonno, raccontami ancora di quando la tua famiglia si è trasferita a New York. Ma Carlotta, hai sentito mille volte questa storia. È vero, ma i tuoi racconti sono affascinanti e ogni volta mi sembra di scoprire qualche nuovo dettaglio. E poi, in questo periodo a scuola stiamo studiando proprio l'emigrazione italiana nel mondo, quindi posso usare la tua testimonianza per la mia ricerca. Va bene. Come ti ho già detto, la mia famiglia era molto povera. Mio padre era un contadino e mia madre faceva la casalinga. Non aveva molto tempo libero, visto che eravamo in otto, cinque fratelli e tre sorelle. Otto fratelli? Mamma mia! Non riesco ad immaginarmelo. Una volta era normale, ma non era facile dare da mangiare a così tanti bambini. E poi non devi dimenticare che fino al dopoguerra l'Italia non era un paese ricco. È per questo che molte persone decisero di emigrare? Sì, si diffuse pian piano la notizia che negli Stati Uniti c'era molto lavoro e così molte famiglie iniziarono a trasferirsi lì. Anche voi? Non subito. Mia madre non voleva lasciare i suoi genitori e la terra... Ma mio padre insistette un po' e alla fine la convinse. Non fu facile, però. La mia bisnonna pianse molto? Sì, soprattutto quando partì mio padre. Eh, ci lasciò soli per un anno. E perché? Pensò che fosse meglio andare in avanscoperta, 
vedere com'era New York, trovare un lavoro è una casa adatta a noi. Ah, certo. Ma vi sentivate tutti i giorni per telefono, no? Ma che? Non c'erano i telefoni in quel periodo. Ricordo quando ricevemmo la prima cartolina da New York. Che emozione! Ma cosa faceva tuo padre lì? All'inizio non fu facile e si adattò a fare un po' di tutto. Poi suo cugino Alberto, che viveva lì già da un paio d'anni, gli trovò un buon lavoro in una fabbrica di materassi e così riuscì a risparmiare i soldi per comprarci i biglietti per la nave. Ma ti ricordi ancora il giorno della tua partenza? Non lo dimenticherò mai. Il giorno prima andammo a salutare tutti i parenti e la gente del paese. La mia maestra mi regalò un libro in italiano e mi disse «Impara bene l'inglese, ma non scordare mai la lingua del cuore». E che libro ti diede? Il famoso libro Cuore di Edmondo di Amicis. Ah, un classico proprio. Sì, brava. La traversata atlantica durò all'infinito e, visto che in quel periodo non avevamo gli smartphone o i tablet, i miei fratelli ed io leggemmo il libro quattro o cinque volte. Oh, che tenerezza! E come fu l'arrivo a New York? Beh, puoi immaginarti. Mio padre era lì tra la folla che ci aspettava. Appena lo vedemmo, gli corremmo incontro e ci abbracciamo tutti e dieci insieme. Una signora ci notò, si avvicinò a noi e ci disse, con accento siciliano, che non aveva mai visto una dimostrazione di affetto così in tutta la sua vita. Mi viene sempre la pelle d'oca, nonno, quando mi descrivi questo abbraccio. Certe cose ti lasciano un segno per sempre, Carlotta. Ma perché poi decidesti di tornare in Italia? Questa è un'altra storia. Ora sono un po' stanco. Te la racconterò un'altra volta. Ora vai a fare i compiti. Va bene, nonno. Però prima dammi un abbraccio. Di quelli, Di quelli che, che lasciano, lasciano il segno. segno. mia Francesca sono distrutto sì ma che, che carino vedo che sei un po' commosso a, a story that has happened in so many places in so many ways for so many people sì. but we'll go through that in greater detail in our bonus episode for now let's talk a little bit what has happened in this story Okay, va bene, Mark. So, uh, in this conversation, we see Carlotta, a very young girl, and she's talking to her grandfather, her nonno. Um, she's actually asking him to tell her a little about his family moving from Italy to New York when he was a child. She's studying Italian emigration at the moment at school, so she wants to hear the story that she's heard so many times again. So basically her grandfather's family was poor and uh, his parents, uh, a farmer and a housewife, had eight children to feed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, until the end of, of the Second World War, Italy was quite a poor country. Mm -hmm. So 
Um, at that point, they decided to move to the States, just as many other Italian families did at that time and indeed before then. Yes, the, the grandfather, il nonno, uh, also says that for his mother, it wasn't an easy decision to make at the time. And she didn't want to leave her parents behind and also their land, which, is, which was important. But her husband managed to convince her in the end. So the father of the grandfather, <laughs> left for the US in order to find a, a job and a suitable house while the rest of the family stayed in Italy for another year. A very hard thing for uh, for them to do again, happening si, all the time. Si. And it keeps happening. Yeah. <laughs> and at the time, uh, there were no phones, uh, obviously. So the first uh, postcard, la prima cal- cartolina from New York, was uh, quite exciting and very emotional. Yeah. And uh, the grandfather, the non-know of our story, also explains that his father found it hard at first, but then his cousin Alberto, and he had moved to New York before him, uh, he found him a job in a mattress factory, I think. Si, yeah? si, bravo. Which allowed him to save some money and buy the tickets for the whole family to come to America by ship. Si. I think it was rather expensive. Yeah. And Carlotta also wants to know about the very day when her grandfather and the rest of the family um, left Italy. Yeah, he said it was it was very emotional when they went to say goodbye to everyone and, and his teacher gave him a copy of Edmondo de Amici's book, Cuore. Sì, sì, molto famoso il libro Cuore in Italia. <laughs> so the teacher told him to, to learn English well, but not to forget the language, la lingua del cuore. Sì, that's quite emotional, yeah. I should say. <laughs> and yeah, so basically in the end, the grandfather and his uh, siblings uh, read the book four or five times during the, during the crossing just to keep themselves entertained. <laughs> they didn't have smartphones or tablets or anything like that at the no, time. No, no, no. So when they got to New York, uh, the, their father, or our grandfather's father, was waiting for his family and all of them hugged emotionally. Yeah, another beautiful uh, scene, which was spotted by a Sicilian uh, woman who happened to be there at the same time. And she also said that she had never seen uh, something like that before. Okay, so Carlotta finds this whole event very emotional and her grandfather explains that certain hugs leave a mark forever. See, I agree, I think. (laughs) She also wants to know why the grandfather decided to go back to Italy as an adult. But now's not the time. No, he's too tired for for another story. And they just give each other a hug, a hug uh-huh. that lasts forever. And Carlotta just continues with her, with her homework. So there we have it. As I said, we'll be going through every line of that in our bonus episode. So if you have access to that, you can move on to that after you finish listening to this. Okay, Francesca. C'è ancora una cosina oggi? C'è ancora una cosina, ci sono state tante cosine <laughs> oggi. Indeed. Ma come sempre c'è ancora una cosina. And because in this episode we have uh, discussed the passato remoto and also the importance of this tense when telling a story, I just want to see uh, with you how to say in Italian uh, once upon a time and uh, they all lived happily ever after. <laughs> okay, so once upon a time, I'm pretty certain I know that would be c'era una volta. Bravissimo. So c'era una volta, and then 
there was such and such. Si. And uh, they lived happily ever after. We have a nice passato remoto there. Uh-huh. E vissero tutti felici e contenti. Of course, so they lived, vissero, from vivere. Si. Uh, but that's our passato remoto, vissero tutti felici, all happy e contenti and happy. Si, <laughs> happily content. ever after. Yeah. <laughs> si. So, E vissero tutti felici e contenti. Perfetto. Esatto. It's been a great lesson. I've thoroughly enjoyed this lesson, looking at something completely different. A new tense, again, stressing the fact that it's more important to recognise this tense and to, to, to be able to identify it in a sentence, particularly when we're reading, than it is to be able to produce it ourselves. See, maybe a little bit of uh, Montalbano uh, could help. Watch, uh, watch some Montalbano or read uh, some of the stories of Montalbano by Camille and uh, you will certainly uh, listen or read uh, some uh, to some verbs uh, in the passato remoto. Buona idea. È tutto per oggi. Grazie mille, Francesca. Grazie a te, Marco, e a tutti. A presto. Ciao. Ciao, ciao. You have been listening to a Coffee Break Languages production for the Radio Lingua Network. Copyright 2022, Radio Lingua Limited. Recording copyright 2022, Radio Lingua Limited. All rights reserved. <laughs>